Wow. Good morning. Hey, just want to give a shout out to Heather and her many people who helped her yesterday for the... There were so many kids and families here. It was awesome, and we really appreciate the effort that she makes, of course, but also you guys who joined her. And uh, just a fantastic day with those kids yesterday. Um, also, I want to give a, another shout-out for the call, answer the call to walking, on the, wa- walking the wall. Um, you know, this, this is really a very cool thing that's developing from the life of our fellowship of just mobile prayer ministry and uh, anybody can do it. You know, any, no experience necessary. And this really came out of the heart of our brother Tim Harris in the church and Don and Kathy Ivers, longtime folks in the church here. And I strongly recommend you stop by their table on the way out and just hear more about it and, uh, and just get, get to be your part of it. Get to be your part of being a part of a mobile prayer force in this community. So this is really, really fantastic. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, just come now in the power of your Holy Spirit in the present moment that you've created here by your grace, by your power, by your design. You are the sovereign Lord, and you decided that we would be here. And so here we are. We have responded to the draw of your Spirit to be in this group at this time. And so now we, we respond to your Spirit to surrender to you and surrender to your Word. We bring our hearts to you, Lord. And uh, we, we rejoice that you have touched us in the ways that you have so far, and we just pray that today will be another time of, of you touching us in these worship songs and in the word that comes in the ministry and the fellowship, everything that happens on this property, Lord. Just, I just wanted to bring glory to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I lost another argument with the Lord this week. I know, right? And here's kind of how it went out. Uh, you know, I... I was really excited about this being Palm Sunday, which is the Sunday before Easter every year. And uh, Palm Sunday, the, I have to confess that uh, even though I love being a part of the free church, I'm, I still have some attachments to the conventional church, you know, and, and just the whole concept of, of Palm Sunday and Easter and Good Friday and Advent and Christmas. I just love being connected with the rest of the church, you know, doing the same thing on the same day. So I was super excited about Palm Sunday and getting ready to bring the word to you. And I was, uh, of course, working my way through those passages of Scripture where this is about when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the foal of a donkey, right? And what was the big word they were crying? Hosanna, Hosanna, which is we praise you, come deliver us. It's kind of this combination uh, Aramaic uh, word that they would just call out to the Lord. And so I was so excited to bring that. And I was really praying this year for a deeper revelation from God about what the word Hosanna meant. So I, and even Thursday morning in our early 6 o'clock prayer meeting, I asked him, hey, pray for me today. I'm just going to be with the Lord, and I, I believe he's going to give me a deeper revelation of the word Hosanna that I can bring to the church on Sunday. And then Thursday happened, and it was completely uneventful. And the Lord, that's the day I just dedicate to getting the word of the Lord for you guys. It was... It wasn't just uneventful, it was wretched, it was boring, it was a day I was so glad when it was coming to a close um, in that respect, but I ended the day with nothing, with nothing for you guys. I know, and you know, say, that's kind of frightening, I gotta tell you, to think about all these, 
all these eyes looking back at me every Sunday going, is there any word from Jehovah then? And, and you know, that's just a lot of weight to bear. There, that's just a lot of a weight to bear and just wondering, uh, what, what, what am I going to do, Lord? I, and so I, you know, didn't sleep well Thursday night. I got up Friday morning. I came into the office, and one of the things I like to do as early as possible is walk the wall. You know, walk the, walk the wall around the property. I'm out there walking the wall and saying, you know, Lord, it's Friday morning, and Sunday's going to be coming pretty fast. So, and, uh, um, and, I, and I said, can you explain the word Hosanna to me? And, and here's, here's what I heard. And I didn't hear audible voices. Don't lock me up. But, I mean, I just heard, I heard. I, I know I, I hear God. You know when you hear God. And I said, can you explain the word Hosanna to me? Holy Spirit said, why? And I said, well, because it's Palm Sunday. And Palm Sunday, you know, huh? Hosanna? You know that? And, <laughs> and I want to explain the word Hosanna to the people. And uh, the Lord said to me, well, whose idea was Palm Sunday? Not the writing in part. I mean the celebration of it. Whose idea was it to call it Palm Sunday? And I just said to the Holy Spirit, I just said, ours, sure. Ours, yeah. And then the Lord said this so clearly. Tell them that there's water in the rock. Tell them that there's water in the rock. So, there we go. I told you. (laughs) There's water in the rock. So turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20, Old Testament, a passage that's perhaps familiar to a number of you about a time when Moses was used by God to bring water out of rock. Numbers chapter 20, the first verse really sets the whole context for us. You know, we're, we're pretty serious about honoring the context of a passage here. And so by this time, the Israelites have escaped Egypt, and they're in that place between Egypt and the Promised Land where for 40 years they're wandering around. And so verse 1 sets the context of this passage. In the first month, the whole Israelite community arrived at the desert of Zin, and they stayed at Kadesh. There Miriam died and was buried. That's the context First of all, they're in the desert of Zin. Uh, I've noticed that on a map, the desert of Zin, the where they wandered around, is kind of southwest Palestine, if you will. And uh, so if you just think of it in terms of Columbus, we would be the desert of Zin, okay? <laughs> That's kind of the relative place of the whole thing. Uh, the second thing, notice that it was that Miriam died. 
Miriam had just died. That's an important part of the context. Who was Miriam? Does anyone know? Moses' sister, right. So Moses was grieving the death of his sister. This is an important part of the context for what's about to happen next. He's in an emotional place. He's grieving the death of his sister. Do you remember Miriam? Miriam's the one who, on one hand, after the Red Sea was parted, she wrote that great song and throw the horse and rider in the sea, right? That's her song. That's the sister. As near as I can tell, Miriam was the only woman who was ever allowed inside the tent of meeting. That's that sister. Moses and Miriam did have a throwdown at one point about interracial marriage. They had a throwdown about it because Moses had taken for himself a Cushite wife, a woman undoubtedly of dark skin, and Miriam took issue with this. And so she raised her complaint, and the Lord said to her, Who are you? to complain, to criticize my servant. He said, you think it's not good for a person of light skin to be married to a person of dark skin? And God visited something on Miriam to make his point. He visited, the Bible says, that she became leprous, white as snow. God said, you like white? I'll give you white. Don't make an issue of that. Don't be making an issue of that. That is not an issue. So this was the dynamic relationship he had with his sister, and she died. And this is part of the context. And then they were in the desert. They had nothing to drink. They were thirsty. But Moses was thirsty. They were all thirsty. This is the context. And then the account in Numbers chapter 20 rolls out. It begins with a familiar scene, verses 2 through 5. See if this doesn't sound kind of like something you've read before. Verse 2, now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. Have we seen this before? And they quarreled with Moses and said, If only we had died when our brothers fell before the Lord. Could they not at least come up with a new song? Why did you bring the Lord's community into the desert that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. Did these people not remember Could they not remember for this long how Moses had been used by God for their deliverance? Could they not remember what God did for them through their servant Moses? Did they not remember what it was like in Egypt when their very firstborn were being killed? Did they not remember that they would quarrel against him? They would criticize? Did they not remember the plagues 
that Moses visited on Egypt with his staff in order to set them free? Didn't they remember this? Didn't they remember the parting of the Red Sea when the people of God were, were being chased by the world's most powerful army and Moses delivered them? Did they not rem- Couldn't they remember that? Is their memory so short that they couldn't remember how manna fell from heaven because Moses appealed to the Lord? Couldn't they remember the manna? Couldn't they remember what God had done for them? Did they not remember just a few chapters before Korah, who rebelled against Moses, and who he and his entire family were swallowed up by the earth? Could they not remember this, that they didn't have to say, we criticize you, we oppose you, you've drawn us out here to die. It's a familiar scene. So the people are up against Moses, and the next thing in verse 6 is we see the right response to such a thing. Verse 6, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of meeting and fell face down. So Moses and Aaron, they left the people, and where did they go? To the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. That's always the right thing to do. When, when, up, when you're up against it, when people are criticizing, when, when, you're, when you're up against it, what is the right thing to do? To fight back with the people? No, it's to rush into the presence of the Lord. It's always the right thing to do. And in that place, the Lord gave Moses clear instructions. In verses 7 and 8, the glory of the Lord appeared to them, and he said this, The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron, hold on to that, gather the assembly together, speak, grab hold of that, speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. Those are pretty clear instructions, aren't they? Number one, gather the people. Come on, folks. Do it together. You and Aaron are to do this together. And then, when everything is set up, speak to the rock. Clear instructions. The next part of it is the wrong response, what Moses did next. Verse 9, so Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. So far, so good. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. So far, so good. Yes, And Moses said to them, was he supposed to talk to them? Was he supposed to talk to them? What were his instructions? Speak to the rock. And look what he said to them. Listen, you rebels. I mean, a little empathy here. Moses was in a very emotional place. Moses was heartbroken. Moses was frustrated. Earlier he argued with God, why do I have these people? Did I give birth to these people? Why are they my problem? So we know how Moses was, but he just didn't do what the Lord said. And he spoke to them, listen you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? And then Moses, did he speak to the rock? What did he do? 
Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Now water gushed out in the community and their livestock drank. So it was the wrong response, but the water gushed out. I want to tell you what, when God has in mind to bless his people, he's going to bless his people whether you decide to be a willing part of it or not. He was, that water was coming. That water was coming. This was Moses' opportunity to trust the Lord and do exactly as he said and be a part of the blessing. Verse 12 is the consequence of disobedience. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because, I underlined this, you did not trust in me enough. You did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites. You will not bring this community into the land I've given them. Well, that seems like a harsh punishment, doesn't it? Come on. I mean, he led them. Doesn't that seem like a harsh punishment? It's not a punishment. It's a consequence. He's not being punished for his disobedience. He's living out the consequence of his disobedience. God isn't saying, I'm going to punish you and not let you go in. The consequence is, he says, because you did not trust in me enough, I do not have confidence in you to be the leader in the promised land. That's the consequence of his disobedience, not a punishment. Sometimes I talk with some of you guys and you're like, oh, your life is all messed up and you say stuff like, I think I'm being punished. I think God is punishing me. A, if God was punishing you, you'd be dead. (laughs) The wages of sin is, what's how the rest of that go? But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, right? So we're not being punished by God. Jesus Christ took the full punishment of our sin on the cross. He said, it's done. It's finished. I did it. We're not being punished by God. But do we have to live out with the consequences of our sinful action? That's a different thing, isn't it? Sin has consequences. I think there's some obvious lessons in this passage, right? I think, first of all, we should notice that complaining against leadership never ends well, right? I mean, people, I have a right to complain. Do those guys not know what they're doing? Yes, for the record, no, we don't. I I mean, I'm real, we don't know what we're doing. We don't pretend to know what we're doing. As elders, we fall face down before the Lord and say, what are we doing? What are you doing? So there, just get that one out of the way. You you feel like you have a right to be disgruntled. I just challenge you to show me anywhere in the Bible where when people got together to oppose their leadership, it ended well. Nowhere. I think a second lesson from this passage is that emotional outbursts are never productive. Moses said, I have a right. 
I have a right to scold you and beat this rock. Turns out he didn't. You don't have to beat on anything to see the move of God. You don't have to. Jesus said if you speak to this mountain, it'll move, right? I think a third lesson is in this is that trusting God is the path to obedience. A lot of, you want to obey God, right? You know, before you can obey God, you have to trust Him. So whatever the thing from the Word of the Spirit is, it's abiding in your heart and God saying, follow me in this, obey me in this, it starts by trusting Him. You trust Him and obey. Sounds like a song. You trust Him and then you obey. Some of you are just trying to work up the courage or the wherewithal to be obedient to God and you can't pull it off. It starts with unreserved trust. I just trust you. Okay. And then you naturally obey. These are obvious lessons, but there's one lesson in this thing that in all the times I've heard this passage, I have never heard it discussed. There's one lesson, and the lesson is there was water in the rock. No, listen. There's water in the rock. Dennis, you get it. There's water in the rock. Help me, man. There's water in the rock. There's people. There's water in the rock. You know that rock that you face, that immovable object? There's water in it. You know when you're in the desert? Your circumstances are out of control and there's this enormous obstacle in front of you? There's water in there. There's water in the rock. They were in the desert. They were complaining about being thirsty. Moses said, okay, I want you all to gather up around this rock. That part he got right. Nina, there's water in the rock. There's water in the rock. How do you get the water to come out? Do you beat it? You speak to it. You have authority to draw the water. There's water in the rock. Dylan, the Lord is calling you to a rock, brother. There's a rock, man. You're going to see it. If you don't already, you're going to see it. And then you're going to have a choice. There's water in the rock. Where's your rock? There's always water in your rock. There's always water in your rock. You know why Karen and I came looking for you guys 25 years ago? You know why we came here? Why did, why did we why did we even do that? Why did we come? Because the Lord called us to come. 
We started knocking on doors 25 years ago telling people about Jesus because the Lord called us to do that. Why would you obey that? Because we trust him. Because we trust him. And when you trust God, you automatically follow in obedience. When you don't trust God, you start making up your own way and you start swinging your staff at rocks. Hello? We, we didn't know you were here. <laughs> I'm saying, you said that, I did not. We didn't know. We, we came because we trusted him and we came and we probably wouldn't have said it this way then, but we came because we knew there's water in the rock. There's always water in the rock. We knew it. Was it hard? It's a rock. <laughs> yes. Was it worth it? Many of you know Gary LaRue Basinger in the church. They've been part of our ministry for 30 years. And uh, LaRue brought a folder in for Karen because they were doing some house cleaning or something and found a, a little stack of what I used to call the, the Pawkett Prayer Report from 1992. And all right? So I had these prayer partners around because I don't know if you noticed, but I believe everything, the foundation for everything we do successfully is prayer. Forget about anything else. If you don't pray, don't do. Right? And so I had all these prayer partners all the way, all around the country. John Maxwell was one of my prayer partners, actually. <laughs> it's a long story. Uh, I had prayer partners all around the country. And I would send out this monthly pocket prayer report. And in September of 1992, I was reading through these things. It was so powerful. I thought I'd be embarrassed to read them, but it was so powerful. Because essentially we're doing what we prayed to do in 1992. And in September of 1992, I looked and, and in the praise section, I said, praise God. We are up to 14 adults in the church. These first two and a half rows, little rows here, that was the whole church. And I praised God. You see, there was water in the rock. And when you speak to the rock, the water comes. First a trickle. Maybe first a trickle, but the plan of God is to make it flow, make it gush. There's water in the rock, water for you. Some people look for water in places that don't have water to give, you know? They look at possessions, they look at relationships, they look at experiences. They look at these things and say, how come I work so hard at these things and I'm still not satisfied? It's because the, what, you, what you crave is living water. You crave the living water. And those things don't have living water to give. Now, there may be a relative sense of enjoyment from them, but at the end of the day, they don't have what your soul craves. They don't have it to give. You want the living water. 
Jesus said if you drink of the living water, not only will you never thirst again, you just keep drinking, but streams of living water will well up from inside of you. So I just want to say this. If you want to find satisfaction in possessions, relationships, and experiences, start by drinking the water. And then you'll see how different those things become. Some of you sitting right here, you know, you've been on exotic vacations, you've gone places, you've gone here and you've gone there, and it's been enjoyable, but it wasn't satisfying. It wasn't satisfying. You got back and had to pay off the credit card, right? It wasn't satisfying. It was enjoyable, but it wasn't satisfying. And then some of you same people, have found your way into dynamic relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ in the power of his Holy Spirit, and instead of going to Cancun, you have, used, you have used your precious vacation time to go on a mission trip to Brazil or India or Honduras or Nicaragua or somewhere like that, and you said, I'm satisfied now. That's a whole different thing, isn't it? You slept in the worst of all possible accommodations. You ate food you could neither pronounce or recognize. And you said, that's, now that's, that's satisfying there. That's because it's the living water. There's water in the rock. So I, I prayed to the Lord about, well, what does this mean for us today as we gather? And it came so clearly and so simply this way. There's something the 16th century reformers taught us called the analogy of faith, and that is that you, you interpret Scripture with Scripture whenever possible. And so when we see that there's water in the rock in Numbers chapter 20, and we fast forward to the New Testament, (laughs) hello? Hello? And we look at the rock, and Jesus said to Peter, the rock, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my, what was that again? Church. So the church in this case, is the rock. The church has water to give, yes? And the water, in this case, is the Holy Spirit. The release of the Holy Spirit. This is what the church has to offer you today. I'm going to need some help. I'm going to need Mike and Nina to please come up. Stand and face the people right here. Lord, show me. Lord told me he'd show me who. I need just a second. This isn't a, a value judgment on anyone. It's just sometimes the Lord just picks some people out. Okay, so just give me that grace. Charlene, please come. Kevin Fleck, please come. Dylan, would you please come? Lord, show me. Darlene, would you please come? Trust me. Thank you. Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Lord. Mm-hmm. Tim Pierce, please come. Chris Mernan, please come. 
Again, I, just in the spirit, I just see God just lighting on some of you for this moment. Okay? make sure I've seen in different ways each of these people operate in the power of the Holy Spirit they're different from each other thank God for that right right I mean yeah well, it's not a cookie cutter deal at all they're quite different from one another and their expressions of the Holy Spirit are different but in each of them I've seen the Holy Spirit and, and many more of you, please, don't, don't let the devil get in your head about this. These are, these are God's chosen vessels for this moment. And um, what, they, what they are, they don't represent, but what they are is the church. That's the rock. Can you link your arms together? Nina, you're going to have to stay with us, babe. Link them together. Don't hold hands. Link them together. And then hold your hands out like this. Good. Come on, I need you. I need you. In the name of Jesus. Stand up. All right? Good. There's the rock. Now I'm going to speak to the rock. And the water's going to flow. Anybody want to get wet? Come on. I speak to the rock in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the water flow. Let the Holy Spirit come. Proceed to each of these people who are so thirsty for you. Let the living water of God just pour out now. Power of the Holy Spirit come. Power of the Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit, I speak to the rock. Beat the rock. I just speak to the rock. I don't need to shout. I just speak to the rock and say, release your water. Release the water. Release the water. Release the water. Release the water. water. Y'all are going to have to try and stand up now. You just stay. You guys can do whatever you need to. The rock needs to stand. The rock needs to stand. Here's the